right. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only podcast. I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means today, holy crap, today was a wild one on Twitter, online, anywhere you were paying attention to the NFL because Russell Wilson got traded to the Broncos, Aaron Rodgers re-signs with the Packers, and not wild, the Washington Commanders are left holding the bag still trying to figure out a quarterback. We've got a lot to discuss on that front, and it's a late-night show, so here with me to break this down is going to be our guy, Grant Paulson from 106.7, the fan. Appreciate the time, and uh, wow. What, I mean... Probably when the dust settles this offseason, these will be the two biggest transaction storylines, deals of the entire hiatus, and they happen on the same day, about eight days ahead of the league year. Not just the same day. They happened within like an, it was like an hour or two of each other. Like it was a pretty rapid fire. When when I saw the Russell Wilson news, I was like, wait, wait, we're, we're still dealing with Aaron Rodgers signing a massive, uh, massive deal. It was incredible. Um, speaking of free agency, Earlier this week, I spoke with our uh, one of our NFL senior writers with the Athletic, Shield Kapadia, about free agency. We yeah, we some of it will probably sound a little bit odd because we talked before these big deals, but we both were of the mindset that neither of those guys were coming to Washington. I'm pretty sure we both said Russell Wilson would even get traded, but we went through a whole bunch of options, quarterbacks and beyond. So we'll, I'll, I'll get to that when Grant and I are done here. Um, and of course, you can find the podcast itunes or anywhere you do your podcasting go read my updates on the athletic and of course grant is uh you know go go listen to him every day uh 1067 the fan uh, the odyssey app right like uh, now that i'm at 1067 the fan uh part-time employee myself i gotta i gotta mention the odyssey app it's good app yeah if you want to listen to the show pause rewind while you go get your groceries on your way home it's an easy way to do it i always like when people just listen if you actually have an old radio which no one does that's always cool you get those pictures or people driving around in their car. If uh, people still go to or from work at, at you know, the rush hour, such a thing, it's not really anymore, but uh, yeah, anyhow, way that you listen is good, but more importantly to, to the quarterback news. I mean, I, I was like everyone else kind of digesting Aaron Rodgers staying put. And I always thought he was going to stay in green Bay. The grass wasn't greener. It made no sense to me that he would leave. You know, the NFC right now is a weaker conference for quarterbacks. That division is Green Bay's. Minnesota could push them a little bit, but the Lions are not particularly good. The Bears aren't any good. So for a lot of reasons, I just thought he should stay put. And so that happened. We kind of anticipated it would be today, tomorrow, within the next 48 hours. He had to tell them what he was thinking. He had to let them know so that they could move on with their offseason. But the Wilson trade came out of nowhere, Ben. I mean, no one thought... A, that he was getting traded, it didn't seem like over the last couple of days, but certainly that it was imminent or about to happen. And you just haven't heard Wilson to Denver as that prevalent a rumor, frankly. But it was clear the Broncos were waiting on Rodgers. They thought they had a chance at him. And as it turns out, he was debating between the Broncos retirement and the Packers, and the Packers were always the heavy favorite. Uh, He decided to stay in Green Bay. So Nathaniel Hackett, his old OC, is the head coach in Denver. And they pivoted to plan B and they called the Broncos who the commanders had talked to on Friday. And apparently Russell Wilson was not tradable and come today. He was very tradable. If you're the Denver Broncos, because they got a deal done. They gave up a ton. I thought to get that deal done. Consider this based on what you just said. And I hadn't thought about this before. Cause you're right. The deals happen right on top of each other. And what that symbolizes to me is that Denver 
had clearly negotiated a situation with Seattle, but were was waiting just to be clear that Aaron Rodgers was not going to consider them. That means <laughs> that the Denver Broncos were in the mix for Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, and and we're sitting here in Washington going, uh, you know, what what are we doing here? Like at least last year with Stafford, you know, whether Washington was necessarily the runner up or not, there was at least some sense that they were kind of in the mix, even though for a lot of reasons, we don't need to go rehash it. I think it was a little bit of a fix to send Stafford where he wanted to go here. We'll get to the, 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 the variables and what's been reported. You and I both had some on this. Uh, the, the basic take off from the Washington angle is that Russell Wilson, that Seattle did not want to send Russell Wilson to the NFC. And whether that is completely the whole story or not, the larger point is there's no sense that Russell Wilson was interested in or here at all. Whereas clearly Aaron Rodgers gave Denver enough thought that they waited and Russell Wilson did go there. That is, a, that is completely a 180 from what the vibe is around here in general. It's amazing. I, I, part of it could be that you've kind of seen it work for Peyton Manning in his second act where he dropped in when the Broncos were pretty good and he won a Super Bowl and could have won multiple Super Bowls. I mean, heck, he had some great years and didn't win titles. The year that he actually won, he kind of got carried across the finish line when he, his shoulder and arm were falling apart on him. So maybe if you're Rodgers, if you're Wilson, you can kind of dream on that a little bit. I, I don't know. It is frustrating to me, though. If you're a Commanders fan, I, I think it should be an annoyance that it's one thing for the Rams, who are a perennial 10 to 12 win team, who have Sean McVay, this hot shot head coach that everyone admires, to, to be able to, to win a, a war against you, so to speak, for Matthew Stafford. You, know, you don't get a chance against the Rams for Stafford, and you go, okay, well, I, I can point out some reasons why. The Broncos are not the Rams. I understand they have a pretty good defense. They've assembled a really enticing core of weapons on offense. And even after adding Noah Fant into this trade, they still have a really – impressive collection and plethora of, of guys who can make plays in the open field a wide receiver position stacked, decent tight end running back room is really, really good. O-line is solid. So there, I get why Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or anyone else would want to go there. But to me, it is revealing and telling like Denver might be the fourth best team in the AFC West over the last couple of years. It, I just, if I'm a commander's fan, I don't, I'm not okay with the fact that like some people are saying, well, Denver had a better situation to offer him. And, you know, you just lost out. The Broncos, they had to be, that's where he wanted to be. And to me, that's a story. Like they need to not be the bridesmaid constantly. And if they are, and you're the bridesmaid to, let's say, the Packers for Rodgers, where he wants to stay, or to the Rams or something, okay, whatever. The Broncos, post Peyton Manning, what are the Broncos? I mean, they, they, Vic Fangio. As their coach last year, it was like Ron Rivera light. I, I don't know, man. It, it, to me, that is in and of itself a story, is that at some point we need to stop talking about, well, they couldn't get Stafford because the, the Rams were a better fit, or they couldn't get Wilson because he wanted to go to Denver. And the real story we need to start figuring out is, when is someone going to want to come here? Like, what do they have to do to get to a point where it's not that the commanders are just one of the teams in the room raising their paddle to up the price, but they're actually a club where one of these quarterbacks 
wants to be, which has just not been the case. So just to make that side-by-side comparison, obviously Washington played at Denver this year, and I went out for the game. And if you really look at the two organizations, there is a lot in common. They're both in this sort of middle ground of like that. Their teams aren't terrible, but they clearly are lacking the quarterback. They both have ownership issues. Now theirs is very different, but there's, they, they don't have an owner, the, you know, the, the whole Bowling family situation. They're now in the process of looking for a buyer, but like that's been some drama over there. Not the same thing as here, but just still their own, their own situation. Um, you know, they have a defense, like their defense actually ranked pretty high this year. I, obviously, Washington's did not, but on paper, they're still a promising team. And you have a, a smattering of playmakers. But one big difference when I was out there for um, for this game, it was the it was when Peyton Manning was honored um, in their ring of fame or whatever they call it. And it had just the uh, uh, like. It was a well-oiled uh situation like everything they did worked out perfectly and you know juxtapose it to what happened here later with the sean taylor thing everything about that organization in terms of just how it feels i think just feels different plus whatever you want to say about how they've been sort of a middling team recently russell wilson played in the super bowl against denver it's not that long ago what russell wilson uh in his lifetime he was what two years old when washington was last in the super bowl Right. It was third was it 31 years ago when Mark or 30 years ago when when Mark Rippon won. Russell Wilson was what three years old? Like for him, though this team has not been relevant in his entire life, essentially. So I do think there's a different yeah. view, view, uh, view there. I mean, he played here in the playoff games. I obviously we know that, but you know that's well, that 10 years ago, by the way. <laughs> right, 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 like 2012. Right. Having said that. Because you're right. I think those are important things. I wonder, I don't know, I'm just kind of spitballing out loud, how much players care about that kind of thing. Like that Washington hasn't won in 30 years, as an example. Um, I think that more important, in, like in free agency, as an example, would just be money. In, in terms of his career, his wife, Ciara, is a celebrity, a superstar, you know, being able, being in a marketable area. I would say DC is. New York is a train ride away. Maybe she wants to be near LA. I mean, he's very image conscious and has kind of crafted a, a specific image. It's all got to be part of it. He's a unique circumstance when it comes to, you know, trying to find a home for a quarterback. But you look at the Broncos, their situation was better than Washington's for him because of their weaponry, I would say. Like their receiving core, they've got Jerry Judy, who could be a star. They've got Cortland Sutton, who was a beast before an injury came back this past year. And Tim Patrick, that no one ever talks about, is a really good, probably third guy in their pecking order. Uh, they still have K.J. Hamler, who they drafted in the second round. And they've got I mean, Devontae like Williams seven in the backfield is great. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just talking receivers right now. Travis Fulgham was like a number two for the Eagles at one point a couple years ago. He's like their seventh guy on their depth chart. So, I mean, they're loaded there. They, they traded Fant, but they've still got Albert O at tight end. Um, and as you said, Javante Williams, I don't think they keep Melvin Gordon, but there's some talk that maybe they could. And then they've got a dual situation there. So, if you're Washington, you're trying to juxtapose what you got to them. You're probably light on weaponry. Uh, they've got an offensive-minded head coach, which matters. I always point to Russell Wilson just came from a relationship with Pete Carroll, defensive-minded head coach a la Ron Rivera. 
sometimes it can be hard. I think, don't you think Ben to have like a relationship with your head coach? That's as good when it's a defensive minded guy who's always in the defensive rooms rather than a a quarterback coach type or OC play caller head coach. Who's like, you know, running every meeting that you're in and eating snacks with you from the hard knock stuff that you watch with like Frank Reich and Carson, Carson Wentz and uh, guys like that McCarthy and, and Dak Prescott. Like think about Kirk, Kirk cousins and, and Mike Zimmer. Um, again, Russell Wilson and, and Pete Carroll. It seems like if I remember that um, the GM that just got blown out by the Vikings, Rick Spielman was talking about how if you hire a defensive minded head coach, it, it can be a little bit harder to just have that perfect relationship. I don't know if that hinders them a little bit. Cause maybe you want to go work with Hackett who just came from green Bay. I'm not really sure, but look, clearly the stars didn't align and it didn't seem to me like Russell Wilson wanted to come to Washington. That, that to me, a lot of people are talking about whether or not they should have traded him or would have traded him in the conference. You and I have gone round and around on this all day. I, I don't really buy that. I think that's terrible logic. I think it's stupid business. If that is how they were thinking, then they're dumb, but I, I don't think it's that important. I, I think, Russell Wilson had a no trade clause and got to dictate where he went. And if he was interested in Washington, I think they would have listened. I don't think he was interested in Washington. And that's why they made the deal with Denver and probably didn't listen that much to Washington. Right. And just, and this says we sort of buried the lead a little bit. So, um, and I don't have the exact details in front of me, but, but basically, uh, and I helped confirm this earlier, but basically Seattle, uh, or sorry, Denver traded two number ones, two number twos, a fifth defensive lineman, Shelby Harris, tight end, Noah Fant, and quarterback Drew Locke for Russell Wilson and a fourth. The years are kind of most, you know, things are basically this year, next year type stuff. Um, so that was the the deal. Meanwhile, Washington's side, what I reported, what you reported, what others have reported, effectively is that Washington uh, – started the negotiation with three number one picks. So this year, next year, and 2024. As effectively the opening salvo. I've seen, I think, I think Kevin Sheehan had maybe an extra pick in there as well, but whatever. The That's the basics. It didn't go beyond that, however, because Seattle, according to what you and I both reported, others as well, I think you reported this, that Seattle wanted... Russell Wilson in the AFC. Now, th- I subsequently heard from a nev- another team that was in the mix that they also had the impression that Seattle wanted Russell Wilson in the AFC. So in and of itself, uh, it sounds like you could sort of say, well, by luck of the draw, Washington had no real shot to get Russell Wilson. Um, we don't know, of course, if the if the negotiations had continued, what players could have been involved we can speculate if we want but at a base level that's going to be the story that the afc aspect of this tipped the scales towards denver whether washington could have or would have beaten that offer or not the question is (laughs) is that the whole story because as you're sort of noting would russell wilson have really accepted a trade to come here he had a no trade clause that doesn't mean that he picked Denver, although I heard he wanted Denver. It does mean he could have said no to Denver. He could have said no to any of these places, presumably. I mean, you know, he could have. So that is sort of the extra point here. Is this spin or is this Russell Wilson didn't want to come here? And that leads to the question, well, does anybody want to come here? 
Yeah, so a couple of things. I mean, let's start with this idea that they would never trade him in the NFC. I don't and will never believe that the Seahawks categorically would not have traded him in the NFC. Now, do they preferentially likely prefer to trade him to the AFC? Yeah, I buy that. They have their druthers. Why wouldn't you rather him be out of your conference than in your conference and potentially elite quarterback playing at a high level, taking up a playoff spot in your conference year in and year out? I believe that what mattered most here, someone texted me this and it just changed the way I viewed this. And this is someone who has dealt with and been in front offices for many, many years in the NFL and deals with this kind of thing to this day all the time. They said the most important thing in terms of trading Russell Wilson is where he is willing to go. He has the power, not the Seahawks. And the point was he's going to tell the Seahawks who he's willing to go play for and who he isn't. And if he's not willing to go there, there's no reason to spend any time negotiating or talking to that team. So if it's true, and there are a few people that reported this, I think John Kime, you may have been involved in this as well. Today, one of the things you heard was Washington made this offer and the Seahawks did not respond or they didn't continue down the road or they never called us back or whatever they were kind of getting out there in the media. To me, that makes sense if Seattle then goes to Russell Wilson and says, hey, the commanders are hot and heavy here. I think we could get a pretty good deal done. What do you make of Washington? And if he says no, that would make sense to me that all of a sudden they don't respond to the commanders. I guess you could say hypothetically that they also wouldn't have responded to any team in the NFC. Again, this is speculative. This is just my opinion. I don't believe that. I think if Russell Wilson said to them, I will only play for the Giants, well, I'm just picking random teams now, but the Giants or the Cardinals or the fill-in-the-blank third team in the NFC, then I think Russell Wilson would have been traded to one of those three teams. Because to me, to just say, well, we're only trading him to the AFC, the conference where most of the good quarterbacks anyway, there's only about seven or eight teams that would even be willing to get into the, the fray for Russell Wilson at that point. Then you have to figure out which of those teams he'd be willing to go to. What markets would he live in? Where would he be cool moving his family? Who would he be okay from a personnel standpoint working with? You might have two or three teams you could even possibly negotiate with at that point. I just can't wrap my head around that level of bad business for an NFL team that doesn't have to trade this guy. As they've pointed out all offseason, they could just sit there and keep playing Russell Wilson, keep winning 10 and 11 games, and keep going to the playoffs. you got a 70-year-old head coach, as it is, who probably doesn't want to rebuild. So I think whether or not the Broncos were the only team he was willing to go to, I saw Mike Flory report that late on Tuesday night. I guess that's possible. I just think that that was his preference. The commanders were not, and that's kind of what did them in. But I don't know that it matters, honestly, right? We, we could debate this, and I'm sure we'll go back and forth, and this will be the you know, a year from now, we'll all be debating this, like how much of a chance did they have at Matt Stafford? But the fact is, he's going to Denver, and right now, Taylor Heineke is still QB1. Yeah, um, for sure. And yeah, we, right, we don't need to get into that. I guess the only question that matters here is this, in terms of uh, whether Russell Wilson was interested in Washington or not. Like, in other words, 
he may have just wanted Denver and therefore by definition, everybody else he wasn't interested in versus, hey, Russell, independent of anything else, would you be interested in playing for Washington and him saying no? And the reason why that does matter if, if, it's, if it was even a question posed in his world is, well, does anybody want to play here? Anybody that has options want to play here because that's ultimately what we're all discussing. Because until this is solved, and I've been writing about for weeks now, back during the playoffs, that stop everybody needs to stop talking about Rodgers and Wilson and focus on guys like Garoppolo and Mitch Trubisky because that's the bar realistically for where things are at. And it's not 100% because of Dan Snyder. Some guys may not care at all. Some guys might care a lot. But obviously, there's this negative energy around this place at all times. And it's, we've obviously been dealing with it a lot. But on top of that, yeah, they have been just sort of a middling team. Now, there are some interesting aspects. They're in a lousy division. The NFC is getting weaker by the minute. You've just subtracted Tom Brady and Russell Wilson from the conference. No wonder Aaron Rodgers <laughs> wanted to stay. Why wouldn't you want to stay in this conference right now? I mean, the Super Bowl champ is here, but whatever. But ultimately, on some level, that's the thing. Is Ron Rivera dealing with Confederate money, basically, right? Can he keep offering? Like, I saw somebody say that R Rivera made – or not Rivera, that Washington made a better a, a better offer than whatever Denver made or whatever, however you want to phrase that. I, I don't know how you I don't know how to compare something like that, but like especially if we're saying they didn't get to the point of players. But, so can I just say really quickly that just for my own bookkeeping, that's categorically untrue. Like it, it is impossible to say that Washington made a better offer than Denver. And here's why. Denver made the final offer they got the deal done, which was two ones, two twos, another pick, five picks, and three players who are pretty good football players in the case of Shelby Harris on the D-line and Noah Fant at tight end. And Drew Locke is probably not that good a football player, but he's certainly a better bridge placeholder quarterback with a little upside, former second-round pick with a big arm than, say, Heineke would have been. If Washington had made an offer with players – and an equal number of picks. Now we could debate the offers. But to say that just offering three ones, which is all we know that they offered. In fact, based on everything I can tell, what the team has said to people nationally, locally, whatever, today is they never got a chance to continue the negotiation, right? But th there is no path to telling me that three ones is better than two ones two twos, another pick, a good tight end, a good defensive lineman, and a young quarterback who was recently drafted in the second round. So there, there, there's no way to say Washington made a better offer. You right. could potentially, if you want to be pro Washington, say, had they have been allowed to continue negotiating, maybe they could have gotten to a point because of the three ones where they made a better offer. But that's just bookkeeping because I already see where this is going, where a year from now, we're all going to be talking about how they had a better offer than, than Denver and they got screwed and right. they just well, didn't it, have it, a better offer. Right. And let, let me not derail that. I said, I don't remember where I, today was a blur. I mean, look, it was for anybody who was trying to track this down. I was at okay. home. I had to write a story. All the things were happening. I wrote the story, immediately got in my car, drove down to your station, saw you for a moment did a, three, uh, a nearly three-hour show, drove home. Now, we're, like, I didn't even know exactly what I saw today online, but I thought I saw some notion of that. Either no, way. No, that, that is out there. You're 100% oh. right. I've seen a lot of people saying that. Okay, so, yeah. So, anyway, like, this is, like, one of my things always is, like, I, I one of my favorite bits to do on the website sometimes is, 
here's what they said and here's what I heard. Because what I like about that bit is, look, you have to report on some level what, you, what the principles that you're covering are saying, but you also have to re, be, be subtly be able to read between the lines. Because if you don't, you just regurgitate literally what they're saying. It's no different than a, a political reporter just saying, here's what some candidate said, regardless of it was a lie or garbage or whatever. And this is clearly not at the same level as that because we're talking about stupid shit, not, not real world importance. But at the same point, everybody is trying to send a message. If, Grant, if, if Grant Paulson and I were, were in front of press to give a press conference for whatever the thing we were doing, we would obviously try to promote whatever the thing we're doing. And it's up to everyone else to interpret what is happening. So it's the same thing. And there's going to be a lot of spin, especially since, again, to go back to the specific aspect, we're sitting here on March 8th, 1132 PM. And the Washington commanders have no sense as far as we can tell what they're going to do at quarterback again. I think I heard you on the radio today say the big winner today was Taylor Heineke because the longer, I mean, sort of, tongue in cheek but until they get somebody else that definitively is better than him he's the default starter you can even if they draft somebody taylor heineke is the week one starter over a rookie and a lot of the names we're talking about in free agency are better than him but like it's you know from like a ceiling perspective or maybe be more accomplished but whatever but that's the point we're at it we're, until they get a better option we're all just still sitting here going, when's Washington going to get a quarterback? And today might have been an example of they just can't swim at the deep end like that because they're not even close to being a destination. That's part of the unknown. Okay, but let's put that all aside now. So here we are now again. So we're at the, the stage. Jimmy Garoppolo is still out there. He had shoulder surgery, but sounds like he'll be okay. So he's out there. Derek Carr is... I assume isn't going to leave, but we can't assume anything anymore with Russell Wilson getting traded. There's some slow negotiation there with his contract, whatever. Um, Let me ask you a question. Do you see if you buy this? I had a guy on my radio show today from PFF who said that today's trade of Wilson to Denver makes it more likely that the Raiders may actually trade Carr again because they may look at the landscape in the AFC West and say, wait a second. We're the fourth best team in this division. Do we really want to pay Derek Carr close to $40 million a year in a division with Herbert, Wilson, and Mahomes? And his point was this could actually up the chance that Carr gets traded. Now, he still said it was around 20% chance, but he said this could actually lead to teams like Washington calling the to check in again with the Raiders to say, hey, you're still planning on talking to him. Because remember, the Raiders did say at the Combine, you would know, I don't remember which Raiders executive talked or if it was McDaniels or somebody else. But supposedly they said they had no conversations yet with Carr on an extension. Yeah, I, I didn't see that presser. Uh, I must have been at somebody else's. But I did read our uh, uh, Raiders insider, Vic Tafer, just basically write that it's been sl- like the Raiders don't seem to be that pressed to get moving. And it is an interesting point. And to that end, if you look at it from Seattle's perspective, right, you're in the division with the defending with the, with the current Super Bowl champions. You know, I don't know what's going on with Kyler Murray, but he's obviously a, a good quarterback. Uh, San Francisco is moving on from Garoppolo, but Trey Lance, obviously there's hope he's going to be good. And the 49ers are just as a team are pretty good. So Russell Wilson's better than those guys, but Seattle might be the fourth best team, right? I mean, so, you know, that could be a factor 
in what they were doing. So I buy that to a degree. I had somebody flow to me a, a couple of weeks ago that the move to make is Seattle and Russell and, and, and Vegas swap quarterbacks that it puts Russell Wilson in a better, bigger uh, entertainment venue and Seattle still gets a quarterback with Derek Carr, but irrelevant there. Um, I'm with you though. Like I, I, I think I, I spoke to a GM um, what is today? Yesterday. And his view was basically, if you're Washington, you just got to keep pounding on these doors until there's no doors to be knocked on anymore, because what's your alternative? The Mitch Trubisky, Marcus Mariota level, a rookie class that people don't particularly find that exciting. And you're going into year three with Rivera and, you know, they clearly are making the push. Like there's no reason you have until basically March 14th, when the tamp- legal tampering period begins, so it's less than a week, you just keep trying and see. Let let the Raiders tell you that they're going to keep Derek Carr. Let the Cardinals say you're keeping Kyler Murray or whatever until you run out of options. Do you think Ron regrets the full court press that he kind of put on himself to get a quarterback publicly? I, I ask that because I don't think they've done anything wrong. It doesn't seem like. Aaron Rodgers stayed put. Russell Wilson did get traded, but out of conference into a team that it seems like he may have handpicked. And at least reportedly, Washington tried their best to engage and Seattle wasn't particularly interested. Deshaun Watson, as of right now, is not acquirable. That could change, but for the moment, there's nothing doing there. So it's not like they have failed to do something. The market has not materialized in a way that they were probably hoping, I would say. But I've, I'm on record, and I don't know if you agree with this, I kind of think Ron put a lot of pressure on himself that he didn't necessarily have to. If he just, end of the season through the early part of the offseason, didn't talk about how urgently they needed upgrade quarterback. Didn't talk about the big swings. I mean, look at all the reporting and clearly all the the interviews he did combine and super bowl radio row and all this stuff. We're going to be calling everyone. We're, we're talking to 67 teams and it's like, well, there's only 32. So I guess that's also the Alliance and the USFL and the XFL. I mean, they're, they're talking to everyone. Do you think in any way, now that he sees how this is materializing, that maybe he regrets this idea because it, the expectations were built up fair or not. You know, we had listeners calling the fan, me and Danny every single day about which quarterback they could land. And you and I, and a lot of people all along have kind of known realistically, they probably weren't going to reel in any of these big fish, but the way they were talking, it, I think it did give a lot of fans some hope of that. So this is what's interesting, right? Like it's almost a, an interesting question in terms of where we are as a society. Because on the one hand, they need a quarterback. The, the, this is not news. Like, no offense to Taylor Heineke, who does feel like has been a little bit disrespected here in some of the the way the team has kind of gone about it. But okay, Taylor Heineke is uh, they've they've got a guy who can be who can fill in as needed, but they need more. Fine, and we get it. This you know they, they've got to get a better quarterback. That's that's a pretty thing. There's no need to hide that. And Ron Rivera talking about it publicly is that's fine. However, when you do it on as often as he is, he goes on all the different shows. He literally flew out to the Super Bowl to go on Radio Row. I don't know if any other coach or GM was out there in that for that circumstance like that. He did it, went on all the shows. He, he talked, he kindly talked to me before the combine. 
Last week at the combine, he does his standard interviews. Then he gave other interviews to other people. He talks a lot. And I think if in the world that we live in now, we're all on our phones and we look at headlines and we don't always read the stories. I get it all the time. Somebody criticizes my story that they haven't even read. (laughs) How do you think this? Hey, did you read the story? That for that casual level of a person, which is a lot of people, this method he's going is going to screw them if they don't get somebody because the impression is they're really, really going for it. And you can really go for it, but you know I can really tell you right now, Grant, I'm going to leave my house, I'm going to go to the grocery store, and I'm going to buy a loaf of bread. I'm all in, I'm getting a loaf of bread. And if they're out of bread, well, then, I mean, what? well, I didn't come home with bread. Now am I going to get yelled at because I, I said I'm really going to go for it? But there was no bread. I guess my point is, though, it, it, and I'm not knocking Rivera. It sounds like I am. I actually enjoyed hearing it because I needed them to match my urgency. I didn't think they were urgent enough last year. I think they viewed it as more of a want than a need. And I took his um, rhetoric and I took his answers and his you know, podium performances to say, OK, they understand how grave this situation is. So, so I did like it in the moment. What what I am saying, though, is as hindsight has become wisdom here, and it's pretty clear, I think, that they will be missing out on most of the quarterbacks that would be exciting to the fan base. I just wonder if he will have regretted it at all or, or you know, how necessary it was. In other words, I don't think George Payton, the GM of the Broncos, was doing this. I know Nathaniel Hackett, after he was hired, was not doing this because I saw every interview he did for a couple of days. And obviously you can't tamper with Aaron Rodgers specifically, but everyone's trying to get him to admit that he's trying to bring in Rodgers and it's all coach speak. And my point is, it's really, really rare that you see a team put on such a full court press just to let people know that they're trying to do something. Yeah. And I, I don't mean this to be belittling. It may sound that way. I, I just mean it was really important to Washington that everyone knew how hard they're working at it. Denver was not doing that. Denver was not saying we're talking to 46 teams and 38 quarterbacks. Well, that right. They just made the trade. They just were waiting around for Rodgers, and they were in on that supposedly. And then when that didn't happen, 14 minutes later, they traded for Russell Wilson. And so it's, it is just, to me, somewhat fascinating in terms of a team that was quietly laying in the weeds, striking and making the deal, whereas how much talk there's been about getting a quarterback here, and they don't have a quarterback. Now, I'm not saying it's their fault, but it is a reality that, that is interesting. No, for sure. I mean, look, this is a guy that does not want two radio shows during the week, during the season, right? Not one, two. Sorry that you're not one of them, but you have Terry McLaurin, but so you got your own guy. Um, he does. He's on our station. We're, we're a team at 106.7, the fan. There you go. He does. Uh, he does other interviews pretty regularly during the season, if not one, at least weekly. He does a lot of different shows. And like, I, I think the junkies actually had uh, so, some, version of this conversation a few weeks ago in which I want to say EB was questioning why Rivera is doing all this and that it's so rare. And then that the other guys were saying, well, actually, if you look at the other cities, they could find quotes of the other coaches or GM saying some more things, but to your point, they might say at one time, they're not saying it over and over again. And that's the part. And it's not only that people here have heard me talk about this, the sales pitch I have down almost pat, 
the sixth ranked offensive line graded by whoever is PFF, but whatever we have, they have two 1000 yard playmakers. DC is a great place to live. The defense, whatever, like he, he has a stump speech. And to that degree, I'm just saying, I, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying the casual fan is only sort of paying attention to what's happening. But when they see it over and over again, at some point they think, oh, this is going to happen as opposed to they're trying to make it happen. And I do think that's the aspect. It's not so much even that he's acknowledging the honesty that we've got to get an upgrade. It's that the constant messaging, it's good messaging in some ways. You're driving home your point. The point here, though, is going to leave a lot of people feeling like, wait, what, what just happened here? You said we were going to get somebody and we didn't, even if that's not exactly well, and, and what you hypothetically, said. Hypothetically, let's just say they end up with Mitch Trubisky, which may or may not happen because there's a report that he could end up with the Giants to be with Dable. And you know, there's all kinds of options for him as well as a potential starter. But let's just say in that hypothetical world, I just think if you could have fast forwarded from the first day of the off season, you know, right after they get a, uh, the regular season ends to the day that they acquire Trubisky, it's a much more easy pill to swallow, much easier sell that you like Trubisky. This guy was drafted in the top three and you think he's got this upside. It's just very obvious the way that this all played out. If it's Mitch Trubisky, that this was not plan A or plan C or plan D or E or F. You know, this is like plan L. And I, that, I just think that's going to be a tough sell is all. And, and I don't mean specific Trubisky. It, 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 he's a placeholder. If it's Mariota or it's, or it's Bridgewater or whoever, I, I, I just think the way that this all happened is going to lead to some – disappointment from fans and maybe they don't sure. care about that well that much. maybe I, I they would, shouldn't care about that i would say in fairness to ron let's just say he never says one word since they uh, end the season he does the season ending press conference says you know we're going to explore all options and that's it i don't think i don't know if anything's changing on that front and to be honest like we're all responsible for this right i mean you guys talk about all aaron Rodgers, russell wilson and others all the time i write about all the various options we all tweet about these things and it's not just you and me there's dozens of people locally or nationally who do this so any scenario in which we're in the same conversation discussing Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson or even Derek Carr Matt Ryan Mitch Trubisky is going to be like okay what you're offering me Ruth Chris uh you know uh or uh Burger King no offense to Mitch Trubisky like I mean like we can't have all these variables in the same conversation and then say this is okay there is this- That's fair, but but to use your analogy, you and I and a lot of people, I think, that follow the team pretty closely have said all along, Rodgers and Wilson and these guys aren't in play, and they kind of said the opposite, I would say. Like, they said, why can't we bring those guys in? No, that's- Who says they're not in play? No, that's fair. He there, there has been some references to that, and this is part of the sales pitch of the the offensive line and the thousand yard playmakers and all that. All right. So that said, and uh, we've already, I've already kept you longer than I said. So here we are. Um, we, let's just sort of reset what they can do. Here's my take. If I was going to be a PR spin for them, this would be my take. I've been kind of stuck on this now for a little bit on the assumption that nobody else springs free. I, I'm going to assume that even if Deshaun Watson does get traded and he's able to play, he just won't land here. He does also have a no trade clause. So let's just leave him out obviously he would be the best option it comes with a lot of baggage though because of the legal entanglements especially here uh jimmy garoppolo is pretty good relatively speaking to the other options but 
again, he who knows what's going to go on there. So here would be my in the most realistic scenario if I was going to pitch them something. Last year, they signed a 38-year-old Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, from an upside perspective, had zero. At the best case scenario, he was an old free agent at the end of the year. And they didn't even bother playing Kyle Allen to see if he had upside. They stayed with Heineke. We're all saying he has no real upside, even though he was fine. This year, if you sign Mitch Trubisky, a guy who, like you laid out, was the number two pick in the draft. He had a 29-21 and record as a starter in 50 games in Chicago. They made the playoffs twice. He's got a lot of athleticism. Some people will blame the situation on the coaching staff in Chicago for the, for his failures. Okay. You have him and then you draft somebody, not necessarily at 11. If you, I would even maybe say trade down and I'll explain why in a second trade down in the first round to the saints or Pittsburgh, who maybe they will want the quarterback trade down, then draft, pick your guy, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, whatever. That gives you two chances in the short term with Trubisky and this rookie that one of them becomes a starter beyond this year. I'm not saying that either of them are great. At least that's two shots at the apple. Right now they have none. And you still have Heineke around to help. So that that's part of my that's part of my thinking. There's another variable, but I'll stop there. Just from like a spin perspective, does that work for you? Well, work for me in the sense that I think it's realistic and as, you know, probably likely at this point. Yeah, it works for me. Work for me. Like, do I think that that leads to you being a good football team or gets you closer to where you need to be? No, I don't think it does. I, I think, again, it would feel like a letdown of an offseason. It would feel like another year where you're going into a season where, where you you lower the bar on your expectations massively and but, but you're likely down. looking. Yeah, but letdown is relative to, like, in the vacuum. Letdown is about this, all this other stuff and, and how we all want to picture the world. And we're saying Ron Rivera is talking too much. I'm just saying we both agree this is the reality. There's only so much they can do. So no, if no, I, I totally. But but I guess my point is, um, at, at that point, they should. To me, your hypothetical is you kind of trade down and see what you get late in the first or, or later in the first. I mean, to me, then you should just put your eggs in the draft basket and whoever you like the most is who you need to draft. Except so now, if you can't but, do that at 11, then you need to move up to nine and do that. No, here's here's where here's the extra bonus, though, of this scenario. You get Trubisky again. Let's just say you trade down to 20 to Pittsburgh and you draft. I, I don't want uh, whatever. Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, whatever. The trade last year when the Bears jumped up to get field they went from 20 to 11 so it's the exact spot that pittsburgh and washington is in and they gave them a few picks including a future one next year this would mean that if you did this you're still taking a shot this year on a quarterback in which most people other than like kenny pickett they kind of throw them all in a, in a bag and say i don't know you're taking one of those guys next year a you now have two first round picks if you stink you're already going to be near the top to get Bryce Young or the Ohio State kid, CJ Stroud, right? Or you now have two first-round picks to potentially move up to get one of those guys or two first-round picks to throw at the Russell Wilson next year. So what I'm saying is you could sit there at 11 and take whatever guy you want. We're all saying this is a pedestrian class or you're kind of giving yourself three shots. The Trubisky lane, the rookie reign, and I'm now getting more stuff next year. To me right now, Based on this whole landscape, if Pittsburgh or the Saints were willing to move up, that to me is the best path. So I like it. 
I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I think it positions you well for next year. I would say this, though, honestly. If I'm doing that, I'm not drafting the quarterback then when I move back. Because, A, you're playing Trubisky early in the season. You then are playing – I'm just going to insert Desmond Ritter because I like him better than Al. You're playing Ritter, let's say, in the back half of the season. There's no way to properly get a good evaluation on Desmond Ritter to know if he's the guy or not by the end of this season, if he's not starting at the beginning of this year, in my opinion. And so, you know, you, you can't um, like the idea that you'll by next year's draft, then you could potentially draft someone. Then it's almost a wasted pick on Ritter, in my opinion, but unless this, he's starting. But isn't this the same thing we talk about all the time? Like last year, I thought they should have drafted Davis Mills in the second round. This is not a Monday morning quarterback, nor am I saying Davis Mills is a great starter. I'm saying, they, they should have taken a shot because you got to take a shot at some point. And if they don't take a shot again this time, then what, like at some point, you don't know yeah, what's going to happen. I would have been perfectly fine with that. But, but what matters is you have to play that guy. Like they shouldn't have then had him watch Taylor Heineke, in my opinion. And so, in other words, if they bring in Trubisky, then Trubisky to me is like last year's Fitzpatrick plan or Heineke where – that guy's your placeholder that you're playing and maybe even you're kicking the tires on. You're seeing if he's a reclamation project. I happen to think that he's not a starter. That's ever going to be a championship level player. I think the reason you cited his record as a starter is why Chicago thrived is they had the number one defense in the league while he was there. But that having been said, like to me, if I'm getting Trubisky and I'm moving back to set up for picks for next year, I love that idea to be honest. I hadn't really thought about it. I'm then not wasting a pick on a quarterback this year that I'm not actually trying to develop. Like, I think you have to go all in to develop these quarterbacks. You have to give them time on the grass. You have to commit resources to them. If you're doing this with like an eye toward next year already, I don't think it works that way. I don't think you can like half-ass develop a guy, especially when you're bringing someone in to at least start a chunk of the season this year. And then you're talking about possibly drafting someone next year. So that that's the only part that, I know you're saying, well, you have three chances. I just don't think a guy like a Desmond Ritter or a Sam Howell, you know, you might be able to tell quick with a, a guy at one, one or one, two or something. Those guys to me, they need time. They need development. They need poking, prodding, working. It, it, if you were already thinking about next year's draft and you're talking about them starting like seven games or something next year, they just draft a wide receiver. It's a hell of a wide receiver class. Go get another weapon and then go all in for Stroud or young next year. But I mean, but if hypothetically, like Taylor Heineke, they won seven games with him this year. If Sam Howell does something comparable, they're not going to be in position to get CJ Stroud or the other guy or uh, Bryce Young anyway. So then you well, have to, I mean, they, if they move back, they have a first round pick yeah, plus no, their I, own. I, I get that. But I'm saying we just like here, we can, we don't know. There's other variables. Maybe they can't, maybe they can. I'm, this gives you a shot. It's not a guarantee. You got to get on the board. I guess my point is I'm never drafting a quarterback in the first round with my eyes already on positioning myself to draft another one the following year. But if, this if is they where... really love the idea. What's interesting about that plan is how uh, scintillating the prospects are that you're talking about at the top of the board next year is well then just wear it again this season and be in position to go that route. And if but... they bring in Trubisky, which by the way, I think, I think Trubisky's going to have better options, but if they bring in Trubisky, then you just start him and he's this year's Heineke and he's better than Heineke. And maybe you win eight or nine games. Who knows? Sure. I mean, I guess I would just also say, you just never know. I mean, maybe, maybe Desmond Ritter is good. Like, I mean, at some point you just have to try. Yeah, but you, you wouldn't know it is my point. 
You, well, no. you would never – you're not playing him. No, you're it's not easy. bringing in Mitch Trubisky because it's going to cost on the free agent market enough money that he is your starter initially. My, my whole point is Ritter might be fantastic. If you play Mitch Trubisky and, and Ritter's just in your building wandering around or whatever, like you have no idea by next year's draft when you start play phase two of this plan that like Ritter's legit. That would be no different like, if they stay at 11 and pick a guy. I mean, my point is. Right. Like, and that's my point. If you're drafting someone, they should do it as early as possible and they should play that guy as fast as possible. Now nah, you, you're, 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 I don't agree. The, the point would be like, none of these guys are good enough, but you can't just keep saying we're going to not do it. Like, I don't agree with the people who say they screwed up not taking Herbert instead of Chase Young, because that's a whole other thing. They had Haskins and blah, blah, blah. But my point is you then next year needed to figure out, well, are we going to get it? Do we have any to hope or not? And by the way, like Heineke is a free agent after next year. It's not like in the worst case scenario. So, I mean, you don't want to spend a number one pick on your backup. But my point is you have to do something. It, it's all my, my view always in all these things is be prepared. I'm not saying you would have this extra pick to then automatically go get a quarterback. I'm saying you would have one in case you can. That's the point. At some point, you have to keep trying. If these guys all stink, then don't draft any of them. But whatever. Anyway. Yeah, and the only thing I would clarify is I am not the guy that says, like, don't try for a quarterback. I'm the guy that is mad that they didn't give up more for Stafford last year. I'm the guy who's mad that they didn't offer four ones for Russell Wilson. Like, to me, you give me – an off season and the controls of that thing, I'm going to get you a quarterback. <laughs> I don't know how, but I promise you, I'm going to offer so much that everyone's going to hate my guts. And they're going to say, Oh my God, Grant, you're terrible. You're the worst executive ever. Why on earth did you just give up that much for a quarterback? And I'm going to say, enjoy your 10 years with that quarterback. Like to me, they should absolutely be drafting. They should be signing. They should be trading for, they have to do that. So it's the opposite of what you're saying. I'm not a guy that's saying wait a year. My point is in your hypothetical that you kind of laid out and asked, what do I think? The only part I would disagree with is like the, well, I'll draft a quarterback now, but I've already signed a guy who's going to be my starter. And then maybe I'll get another one. Like, no, it's like goaltenders in hockey. If you have two or three, you don't have one. Like right, but you go pot kettle commit. I don't know the, what is that phrase? Like, no, I know. I know what you're saying. And like, I'm, I'm not somebody who thinks you should draft a quarterback in the first round every year. I've heard people say that this is different because none of these guys are that interesting. You're taking, you're, you're trying to turn 75 cents into a dollar. None of these options are great. I got to try something, right? I mean, hypothetically a completely different world. Somebody called in tonight when I did the show said they should sign Tyrod Taylor, right? Tyrod Taylor is the war quarterback. He's a wins or above a replacement, right? He's just the guy you have when you don't really have another option who can maybe win your game, whatever. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying go give me the, the broken guy with the best chance to be fixed and we'll try. That's one, the, the arrow. Second one, all these young quarterbacks, it's not that they all people think they're bad. It's just they're uncertain. Pick the at Trade down, pick the best one you think might be a variable. Third, if none of that works out, they both stink for whatever the reason. Now I have an extra first round pick next year. I can do something with. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, we don't have to keep going down the same hypothetical. Um, any any anything else though? We haven't even talked about any other positions. And frankly, you know, until they solve the quarterback spot, it feels like almost nothing else even matters. Um, but do you have any other thoughts about anything else before I let you go go to bed? No, it was a pretty incredible day. And, uh, I, you know, 
I, I just hope for the fans of this fan base that something ends up happening that leads to some excitement. I've been on the Trubisky train, not that I like the idea, but that I think it is likely for a little while. And even on that front, I'm souring a bit. Like, I don't know that he would come here. I know he's very close with Cole Holcomb and Charles Leno. I just think he's going to have other options. So to me, the most realistic possibilities at this point are if they want to go the free agent slash drafts route that you laid out, I think Winston, if he leaves New Orleans, Teddy Bridgewater as a bridge for a month or so until your rookie's ready, you know, those types of guys, maybe Marcus Mariota make the most sense uh, or, or are the most likely. I still wouldn't rule out though. I don't know how you feel. I'm not saying this is again, none of the things I'm saying are what I would do. I'm just giving you things that I think are possible. I think they could now kind of out of sheer desperation, look around and go, Oh no, we're going to get caught and look bad here. They could trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. They could trade for Carson Wentz. Those things would not surprise me at all. Uh, the first thing I would do today is pick up the phone and, and call the Raiders on Derek Carr now and see if anything's changed there. Yeah. Like I said before, I mean, I think at this point, their best path, their best path from the start has been a trade that remains the case. And it doesn't matter what any make the other team tell you no bottom line. And by the way, if they maybe learned a lesson from Russell Wilson, maybe you say, you know what, let's not play around with the negotiations. Be, be CarMax. Here's the offer. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be the but, but usual. What, but how they shouldn't be learning that now. Well, I mean, I'm they've just got saying. dudes who have a combined 25 years as GMs, the, the, the Martys running this thing. And, and I know Rivera's never really been a GM, but he's been around forever. Like they didn't, you know, we, we supposedly they learned all these tough lessons about the Stafford deal when they were the victims of, of this awful circumstance by the big mean lions last year. Like, I don't want any more lessons learned. I need them to just kind of know how to operate when it comes to trying to trade for a quarterback at this point. Uh, I, uh, I hear you. I hear you. Um, by the way, uh, just so I have to pick again, Landon Collins, I reported the other day that uh, Washington is looking to renegotiate his contract. Didn't get nearly as much attention as I thought it might, which isn't to say like kind of figure, but I, I don't know. Some people I think thought he was going to stay, uh, either way, I'm going to kind of assume if they're asking to renegotiate, he's going to tell them I'm out because it's just pride kicks in with the safety stuff last year. You got any thoughts on that? I agree with you. They asked him to change positions. He didn't want to. Then somewhere along the line in the season, they kind of told him to change positions. And he told you guys, meaning the daily beat media out at the facility, he didn't want to be playing that spot. But to his credit, he did, and he played really well. I thought he was awesome in the second half of the season and super impactful at times. Had some really good games. Coincidentally, we've been talking a lot about Denver. I thought he was incredible in the Broncos game. Um, that having been said, now you go to him, hey, guy that we're having play a position you don't want to play, can you also give us some money back? I don't see that ending well. So I'm with you on that. Fair enough. All right, man. I appreciate it. Enjoy. Go listen to Grant on 106.7 The Fan Monday to Friday. He's the drive time afternoon guy, but you already knew that. I always appreciate it, and uh, what a day. Your cat just walked right in front of your camera. Do you not mention that when that happens? I know. it happened. Lenny, Lenny's a frequent guest. I, I've joked that like I would have 
I would call the podcast like you know standard room only with Lenny, except that would be a ripoff of Mina Kimes. So I was gonna say, isn't that Mina Kimes' bit? Isn't her animal called Lenny? Yeah, if I ever got her on this podcast, it would just be me doing this the whole time. I'm, I'm tilting the camera down so Grant can get a better look. He's literally right here. Um, whatever. By the way, I, I I'm not I'm not sure I've said this on the podcast, but I have said this to other people. When I interviewed Ron Rivera before the combine, we did it as you and I are doing this now over Zoom, but just for the audio. And as we were starting, Lenny was in the 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 the, the blinds over here, and he was just going to town. And is like Paul kind of got like stuck for a second. So Ron Rivera is watching me try to get the cat unhooked from the <laughs> unhooked from the blinds. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> Did he say anything? Did he stop? Like, oh, oh Ben, uh, what's going on over there? Yeah, it was fine. I mean, he was he was fine. But yeah, you know, you only have like a few minutes. It's not like yeah, you know, I don't have Ron over for an hour. I'm like, oh, hold on. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Len, Len, Lenny's part of the show. Lenny does a good job. I, I want to yeah. hear Lenny once at quarterback next time we chat. Um, I'll, I'm going to work on that. We haven't had a chance to debrief since I got home. Um, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. All right. See you, buddy. All right. Um, now I'm going to switch gears. We're going to talk free agency. As I mentioned at the top, uh, Sheila Kapati and I spoke, uh, boy, what on Monday morning, I guess it's now Tuesday night. Time flies. Had some intention of putting this story up or putting this interview up Tuesday afternoon. Then the Aaron Rodgers thing happened. And then Russell Wilson, ha- Russell Wilson happened. So I had to get to work, but I think this conversation still more than holds up. We did talk a bunch about quarterbacks, but like I said, we didn't believe that either of these guys would show here. I'm pretty sure we said Russell Wilson. We didn't think would get traded, uh, but we went through all the other variables as well as a bunch of other positions. We talked about linebacker, receiver, and uh, a few other spots as well. Uh, safety, among others. So a deep dive into free agency with our friend Sheil Kapadia. Um, we'll get to that right now here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. Joining me here on the podcast, as promised, he's one of our senior NFL writers who is a go-to for all things free agency. He is the great Shield Kapadia. And uh, Shield, you look nice. You look refreshed. Coming back from India, everybody I've talked to who I know is in India, I make the point of saying you must be exhausted. Hopefully you're still not exhausted, uh, but it was, it was a fun ride. I, I see you enjoyed yourself getting back to the combine. It was fun. It was good to see every see everybody uh, for the first time in a while. You know, had not been a, sort of in an environment like that. We of course had uh, you know a, a nice meet and greet at the combine a couple of years ago, right before COVID. So um, yeah, it was definitely a, a fun week. I've been back home, rested, and now ready for uh, free agency. And you know, who knows what else uh, to happen here with trades and, and everything else in the next four, five, six weeks before the draft. Yeah, I mean, the 2020 Combine really was, I think for a lot of us, the last big event that we did before the world shut down. So it was good to uh, it's good to be back and see everybody. Uh, some people had longer hair and uh, had maybe aged a little bit, but for the most part, everybody looked to be in uh, pretty good, pretty good shape. Um, I imagine, I don't know, when, when, like for me, this Combine was nothing but quarterbacks. I didn't really look at the draft prospects except for the quarterbacks. I didn't really have too many conversations about people that weren't involved in quarterbacks. That's just for my team because my team's made it pretty clear they're in that market. But that's what the whole league is right now. As we're talking, we're waiting on Aaron Rodgers to make a decision. And it's possible somebody else 
get sprung free, even though it doesn't feel like it. How much was the quarterback for you the the dominant conversation out there? Yeah, there's there's no doubt that's the main storyline. That you know, people uh, I think that teams watch those playoff games and specifically that Bills Chiefs game in the playoffs and thought, shoot, you know, like we we can build up a great roster. We can have a great D line. We can have a great secondary. We can have a great O line. And a lot of that's not going to matter unless you have one of those guys who can just sort of put the team on his back and carry them in a situation like that. So yeah, it's exactly what you said. You know, the Aaron Rodgers domino is the big one that we're waiting to see. Will it fall? Will he get moved? Because if he does, then all of a sudden, a lot of different uh, other things go into motion. If he stays put, then it might end up being a lot of talk and not a lot of action this offseason because I think Russell Wilson is probably going to stay put. Everything I heard in Indy indicated that. I'll, I'll always uh, you know, couch that by saying never say never because you know this, this league surprises us uh, a lot. But you know, my, my understanding is that Russell Wilson is probably going to stay in Seattle. I still think Aaron Rodgers is probably going to stay in Green Bay. And then after that, you know, what are we talking about here? The Deshaun Watson situation, totally up in the air. Uh, the Kyler Murray situation is intriguing, but, you know, I don't know that anything is going to happen there. So then all of a sudden these teams who were maybe hoping for a big splash of quarterback uh, are left with the Jimmy Garoppolo's and the Carson Wentz's of the world and uh, much less exciting offseason for their respective fan bases. Yeah, and I'm so glad you pointed to that Bills uh, Chiefs game because that's the, what I've been pointing to as well. It's not like we, it's not like this new topic that quarterbacks are important. It just has felt to me almost organically without even talking to anybody, just like I could sense a, a, a ripple in the force, as it were, that that moment seems like, oh, snap. It's not that we, we need a quarterback. But that's a whole other thing. And if we don't even keep the baseline one we have, your Matt Ryans, your Kirk Cousins, we don't have a prayer. And I, it does feel to me different as a guy who's been covering this league for a while and does, you know, keeps track of free agents. Uh, does it feel different in terms of like the teams are less willing to move off of even the, those kinds of guys? Uh, you know, like remember how when, when Josh McDaniels got to Denver in 2013, they traded Jay Cutler. Not saying Jay Cutler's all that, but a viable quarterback. It doesn't feel like that guy now is going to even be made available. Yeah, you know, when I've sat back and sort of thought about the the landscape of the quarterback position uh, this offseason, my take is that it's easier than ever to find competency at quarterback. And so you have, you know, you look around the league and how many teams do you just say, shoot, they have no chance of even making the playoffs with this quarterback. He's so bad. It's hopeless. I mean, it's probably like fewer than five teams, you know, a lot, a lot of teams and, and there's a lot of competent, solid quarterbacks where you can say, Hey, they can at least keep us in some games. Maybe we win nine or 10 games, get to the playoffs at the same time, that competency probably matters less than it ever did because those guys you mentioned, and you know, we could go through a, a long list when they go up against a team that has Josh Allen, or Patrick Mahomes, or Joe Burrow, I'll put him uh, in that conversation, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Tom Brady last year, there's probably like eight guys where you just say they're kind of on another level where you put them into any situation uh, in the NFL right now, and that team's probably going to the playoffs and has a chance to advance. They're those real difference makers that can kind of make up for all the other mistakes 
you have on the roster. And then there are some guys who, you know, they might not be there right now, but you could sort of see, see the upside, you know, Kyler Murray, we just mentioned, he didn't have a strong finish to last season. He hasn't put it together consistently at the same time. He's shown flashes where you can say, all right, you know, there are the right pieces around him. If he develops, he can get into that conversation. Lamar Jackson is probably another guy uh, who is in that tier as well. So to me, it's all about upside, you know, whether you're talking about trades, free agency, the draft, like you need a chance to be able to land one of those guys who can lift uh, everyone around them. And these other guys, you know, I would say don't pay an arm and a leg for competency. You know, if, if it's somebody who's just solid, who you have questions about, who doesn't have that upside, you don't want to pay that guy uh, $35 million. You don't want to give up a first round pick, multiple picks for that guy. Cause ultimately it's probably not going to get you where you want to go. So, so this is an interesting sort of point here because there's the short term and then there's the, 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 the long term aspect, right? So if you're a team like Washington that's pretty much telegraphed to the world, we're in it to win it for a quarterback, but we have no idea if the marketplace even exists. So like if say hypothetically, Minnesota said, hey, put aside the, the, the backstory here. Right. If, if a Kirk Cousins became available or even a Matt Ryan um, or Jimmy Garoppolo, we believe is going to be available. From an upside perspective, there's not a ton there. Now, obviously, those guys are good. And Jimmy Garoppolo has been in an NFC Championship game twice in the last three years, but a lot else has to, 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 to work. If you're a team like Washington, would you rather pay that price, the picks and the money? Or even in a draft that is not considered to be, uh, it, it lacks sex appeal, as it were, would you rather roll the dice on one of these guys? Because it is on it, until they play, we can't say definitively that Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis lacks upside. So what would you kind of do based on how you're saying um, th there is a gap between some of these guys who are good quarterbacks, but not great versus a guy who we don't know, but may maybe see. Yeah, I think price tag is very important here. You know, if you're telling me that, uh, you know, the uh, the Vikings are going to pay you know, $15 million of Kirk Cousins, what I think 35 million he's owed this right. year. If they're going to pay 15 million and, you know, they don't want to, you know, and we're talking about like a third round pick that can potentially turn into a second if certain incentives are met, that's a different conversation than uh, a first round pick or paying all $35 million of that. So if I'm giving legitimate, significant stuff up, and I'm having to pay that high price tag, then no, I, I would not be interested in going that route at all. If it's if it comes down and they're kind of desperate and they want to move off one of these guys, then you can have that conversation. To me, it's all about flexibility. And so I, I think teams sometimes get stuck in a, this is what we're going to do. Whereas it doesn't have to be an either or situation. You know, you mentioned some someone like Jimmy Garoppolo, like let's say there's not a big market for Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and we'll see if there is or not now that uh, he, he's had the surgery. Who knows what his, his price will be. Maybe uh, that comes down and it's like a uh, fourth-round pick or something like that. You shouldn't get stuck in saying, all right, we're giving up a fourth-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's our guy. No, you, you could say, well, let, let's uh, let, that's one bite at the apple is Jimmy Garoppolo if we're only giving up a fourth-round pick and he's due, I think, $24, 25000000 million, which sounds like a lot, but in terms of starting quarterback money really isn't a lot. You could do that. And then with the 11th pick, 
maybe Malik Willis is there. Then you do that as well. And now all of a sudden you have two options here and it's really hard to find a quarterback and it doesn't matter. Uh, and if you don't have a quarterback, then you're kind of irrelevant. So why not take multiple chances at it? And it might not even be a trade. You know, if you're a team like Washington, you might, you're, you're making all these calls, you're trying to land the big fish, but like, a team has to be willing to trade a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers. And if they're not, then you can't just throw your hands up and say, well, we're, you know, we won't play next year. We'll talk to you next off season. That's not how it works. So you can go in the direction of, Hey, we'll sign, take your pick Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater. These, these are not players who are going to get anyone excited, but you know what? They're probably going to cost eight to $10 million per year. You can sign one of those guys. And then you draft a, a quarterback at number 11, maybe even trade up a little bit if there's a guy that you just love in the first round and you say, you know what, everyone's saying it's not a great quarterback draft, but we really like this guy and believe he has huge upside and you take a swing there. Now, all of a sudden you go into next, uh, next season, you've only spent eight to $10 million on the quarterback. You haven't traded away your first round pick. You've got a rookie prospect. And you see how it plays out. I mean, they can compete right away. You can go with the veteran for 2022 and have the rookie be ready for 2023. There are all sorts of ways uh, you can go with it there. So I think that's something that a lot of these teams have to look at. Washington, Pittsburgh. I mean, we could reel off probably six, seven, eight teams that are in this same spot without an answer. But to me, that's kind of an attractive spot to be in because, you, you know, you don't have to be sold 100% on the quarterback you're drafting there. But if you feel like they have that huge upside, it's a it's a risk worth taking because if they do hit, man, all of a sudden you're set for the next eight to ten years, and it makes up for all the other issues you have on your roster. Yeah, I I, I agree with a lot of that, and I'll, I'll come back to that sort of uh, multiple path approach in a second. But in terms of the the simplest path, though, <laughs> to success would be to pry one of these bigger names away. So whether it's Rodgers, Wilson. I mean, I guess we assume Deshaun Watson will eventually get traded, but who knows when that's going to happen or how what's going to unfold there. So maybe he's like a separate category. But Carr, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, any of these guys, if you're a team like Washington and I and you can you can only camp out on one, one team's door, you're going to sit in that door until they definitively slam it in your face. Whose door do you think has the best chance of staying open? The best, you know, the guy who probably has the best chance of being moved. I mean, we know, like you said, Watson is going to be moved. Now, it's a whole can of worms facing 22 civil lawsuits. The criminal uh, the criminal investigation is not complete. We don't know what the league's going to do. So it's a complete wild card. Uh, but that's one that, you know, they would probably at least keep an eye on and see uh, if it's resolved. I mean, the other ones to me, just aren't, uh, you know, again, I don't think they're going to happen. I don't think Russell Wilson's going to happen. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to happen. Uh, Derek Carr, I guess, is uh, is an interesting name. But again, does he rise to that level of a guy who's really going to be able to carry you and uh, put you in positions to contend for a Super Bowl? And you're going to have to sign him to an extension that's probably worth over $40 million per year and give up draft capital. I mean, that wouldn't uh, really uh, excite me either. I mean, Kyler Murray, I, I would certainly be keeping in touch with Arizona. You know, the GM and the coach 
just got contract extensions. So if they have more leverage there and there's really an issue where they're not in a good spot with Murray. Now, again, I think it's probably going to end up being a lot of drama and a lot of conversation and Kyler Murray's going to be their quarterback in week one, but that's one where I would, uh, I would at least keep tabs on and maybe call them every week or so and just, uh, you know, say, Hey, we, you know, we, we could really go overboard with some draft picks here and uh, you know, you guys could move in a different direction and we could make kind of a godfather offer there because Again, even though it hasn't happened for him, you can see it with the talent with Kyler Murray where you could say, all right, if this works out, uh, you're really in a great situation, specifically, by the way, in the NFC. I mean, that's the other interesting thing when you talk about Washington specifically. All the great young quarterbacks are in the AFC. Josh Allen, Mahomes, Joe Burrow. If you want to throw Lamar Jackson in there, I mean, we can uh, go on Justin and on. Herbert, yeah. Justin Herbert. Yeah, they're all in the AFC. The NFC is wide open going into 2022. So that that's the other sort of wild card here is one of these teams could talk themselves into, Hey, you know, uh, we don't love Kirk cousins. Well, look who we're competing with. If we have a good roster and we add Kirk cousins, uh, you know, could we make some noise in the playoffs right away? And, and as you know, Ben, uh, it's not always about what's best long-term for the franchise. Sometimes it's, Hey, what's, what's best for my job. I'm a GM. I'm a coach. Uh, I don't want to have to answer these questions next off season. If I win 10 games or 11 games next year, even if we lose in the divisional round, uh, it's going to be a lot easier to answer those questions. And I'm not going to have to worry about questions uh, about my job. So that's kind of an another thing to keep in mind. So there are so many, so many balls in play here. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's fascinating. You're right. The, you're, you're a basketball guy. I mean, this, when you look at the quarterbacks, this feels like the way it was in the NBA for many years where the Western conference was by far the more dominant conference than the East. And that's kind of how it does feel now. Granted the Super Bowl champion currently lives um, in the NFC and it's not like there's no other good teams, but yeah, the, if the court, if, it, if it's all about who, which quarterbacks you have to beat, the, the, the better the, there's a deeper group and a younger group um, in that other conference. Um, all right. We'll, we'll come back to the quarterbacks in a minute. I, even I'm getting tired of talking about these guys, uh, especially once we get below the star, the star level uh, free agency, you put out our definitive list of the top 150 names. And, you know, I think from Washington's perspective, there's, there's some interesting guys on there and look, if they need to make a move just to change the narrative almost, you know, because there's been a lot going on here. I, I don't know if you know, but there's a, there's a lot of news around here. Uh, yeah. There are some interesting names. Now I, it feels like some of these guys may get tagged just a few minutes ago. Orlando Brown was tagged by the chiefs at Washington was not in the tackle market presumably, but the point is we'll see about some other guys like Devonte Adams, if they get tagged, um, it, you know, who of those guys sort of at the top, do you think is both a available and B if Washington needs to can't get a quarterback, but can do something significant. Who, who do you see there that that's interesting? Yeah, it's, it's tough when I look at, uh, at Washington because of what we sort of just talked about, you know, you look at it and say, all right, they could add this guy there. Is it going to matter? We don't know who's playing quarterback. You know, I look at them and the defense to me is really tough to figure out because you see the talent there. I think we spoke probably, uh, I don't know if it was the summer or last off season and you looked at it, Hey, they're coming off a really great defensive season. Uh, they signed William Jackson, replaced uh, Ronald Darby with William Jackson. And I thought, all right, you know, they've got a lot of the, the young, their best players were all young and you thought, all right, they're ascending. They're going to be in a great spot. Well, what happened? They had one of the worst defenses, legitimately one of the worst defenses in the NFL last year. So uh, they've got to get by the that way. Like, that's a good point. It's like, we always yeah. talk about here about how they were disappointing relative to expectations. No, they yeah. were just bad. 
They, they, yeah. across, across all the metrics, across all the teams, they were among the worst. They were like 27th in DVOA. Like, exactly. you can't just sit here and say, oh, they're going to be good next year. Maybe, but they were bad. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I'm 100% with you. So I don't know if that's a talent thing or they've just got to get some things figured out schematically. I know Ron Rivera has talked about adding sort of a Mike linebacker. Safety is a position uh, they could look at. It is a strong, strong uh, safety group here. And so there, it's not like you have to break the bank for one of the top guys, whether it's Jesse Bates or Tyron Matthew. I mean, there's kind of a second tier with some really good players. Justin Reed from the Houston Texans, Jordan Whitehead from the Tampa Bay Bucks. So that could be an area, uh, Tracy Walker from the Detroit Lions. So those are some guys that maybe Washington would look at if they feel like they need to add safety help. Uh, wide receiver is kind of interesting to me when, when I look at Washington. I mean, I don't know if they're looking to uh, make a splash there. I know a couple of years ago they were in on Amari Cooper. He's someone who could obviously uh, be available again. But even if you don't want to kind of shop at the high end there, there are some sort of middle tier guys that could potentially be interesting. Uh, DJ Chark from the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Christian Kirk from the Arizona Cardinals. So wide receiver is another one uh, where it's pretty strong. I'm curious to see what, what happens there because every year it seems like the wide receiver group in the draft becomes better and better and deeper and deeper. So I do think you're having teams go, well, do I want to spend, you know, the top of the market for wide receivers, which is over 20 million, or even that next year, you're talking about 15 to 20 million. Do I want to spend that? Or do I want to just kind of take some swings uh, on the draft in the draft every year and get the same type of production for uh, for a lower cost. But those are, those are some of the things that, that I thought of uh, when looking at Washington. And then of course, if Brandon Scherf is gone, you know, do they need to add another guard there or another interior lineman in free agency? So, uh, let's go back to safety for a second. Um, Bobby McCain is a free agent. He was solid last year. I think Ron Rivera was a fan, but at the same point, you know, he didn't make your list of the top 150 and your list is all that matters. So, you know, there's other safeties higher up yeah. on that, on that list. Right. Um, he, he was on the just missed. Uh, I actually had him written down. So once these guys get tagged, keep an eye on Bobby McCain might, might uh, sneak in there in the next week or so. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. But like, even still, there's a bunch of other guys ahead of him and, if we're talking about a potential move they could make that would be really transformative, right? And if, look, there may be only so high the ceiling can go if we're talking about a Mitch Trubisky or a Mar Marcus Mariota at quarterback. But that said, if the defensive front sort of figures out what the hell went wrong there, right? And I feel to me that there's one guy all, that you mentioned, or I think you mentioned that uh, if they added and you, I think it could be a move that does transform things to a degree. And to me, that is Tyron Matthew, because that guy, not only is he a talent, he is a leader. He is a guy that people yeah. rally around. And the biggest issue last year on this defense was this miscommunication that kept happening over and over again. Guys were clearly not on the same page. You know, again, whether that was all in the players or the scheme, whatever, something was off that guy, you put him on a team and I feel like it changes a lot. And he's, and he's the type of guy you maybe you want that leadership at quarterback, but if you can't get it, that's a, not a bad place to go. And plus, like that defensive front of all young guys, you need some veteran presence um, somewhere within that defense. I think he's going to command a lot of respect. Now, he may have zero interest in going to Washington since they're not a, a, a contender per se. But at the same point, if I'm going to throw my money at somebody who's not a quarterback, I'm going after him. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. He's sort of that culture setter, which, you know, I, I think could be very attractive. You know, he's a guy who I bet if you polled 32 coaches, 32 GMs, 32 fans, they'd all be like, yeah, let, let's go get uh, Tyron Matthew. You know, he's 30 years old, but he has been incredibly durable. He's missed just two games in the past five seasons. I, I don't think people realize that because he did have some injury issues early in his career. Now, uh, yeah, I think he's going to attract a big market and the top of the safety market, you know, Jamal Adams got 17 million a year. Harrison Smith got 16 million uh, a year before last season. So like, I mean, I would be shocked if Matthew got anything below that or significantly below that. That's sort of the neighborhood you're talking about with him. But yeah, that, that is one that uh, certainly would make sense. Now I, I'm with you. I don't know if Matthew at this point in his career, after competing with the chiefs for titles uh, is going to say, Hey, yeah, let's uh, you know, I'll go to Washington and play that role as the culture setting uh, safety, how appealing that would be to him. But I guess you never know uh, financially what the best offer would be if they do make a move at quarterback and all of a sudden it becomes more appealing, but you're absolutely right. I mean, he, he's someone who I think whatever locker room he steps into will command respect right away. And it's not just that. I mean, he's a dynamic player who with smart defensive coaches can really play a number of roles, be a playmaker and really is one of the more fun safeties to watch in the NFL. Um, I, Mike linebacker, this has come up a lot. Uh, because Ron Rivera brings it up a lot. Now, hypothetically, at 11, there's a couple of linebackers there and uh, Devin Lloyd and, and Kobe Dean. But, you know, it feels to me that if you're going to play this game, of, if you're going to draft a linebacker first round two years in a row, that doesn't seem like the greatest use of your resources. And also, again, it feels like this defense needs a leader. The point of that Mike linebacker on some level is it is the center of the defense, the play caller, the, you know, the person who's sort of, you know, taking charge play in play out so there are a lot of vets out there anywhere on your list is there somebody that you think you know whether it's the best player good value whomever it is um that that may that would be interesting here it's really not a great group to be honest uh, of the off-ball linebackers here in free agency and I, I was reading your uh, uh your recent pieces and was surprised to hear you know that linebacker uh according to ron rivera mike linebacker specifically is this big need because of what you just mentioned you know, I, I always thought cole holcomb was a nice player i, I mean i don't know you you might be able to uh steer me in the, maybe, maybe i'm wrong about that maybe just the games i watch uh he's playing well but then like you mentioned they just used a high pick on Jamin Davis, I'm going, you're going to dump more resources uh, into linebacker here when a lot of teams, uh, you know, are, are playing a lot of nickel uh, 70% of the time. You really only need uh, two guys there. And then, of course, Landon Collins was in that hybrid role uh, for them last uh, last year. So, you know, the guys at the top of my list, uh, Foyer Aluakon is a guy a lot of people might not know about from the Atlanta Falcons, but has been a really productive player. You know, he, he led the NFL with 192 tackles last season, has more tackles than any other player in the league over the last two seasons. And, you know, he doesn't come off the field. 98% of the Falcons defensive snaps has been a play has been a playmaker, has forced a lot of turnovers. Now, there you're talking about paying over $10 million per year for an off-ball linebacker. You know, like I just mentioned, do the, does Washington really want to do that given the resources they kind of just spent there uh, last uh, last season in the draft on Jamin Davis? And then, you know, you go down the list. I mean, if you're looking just for kind of 
leadership. Dante Hightower is out there, but man, that's a descending player. He's 32 years old. He's not going to be a three down player for you, but if you want kind of just that championship pedigree and someone to kind of, you know, get everyone on the same page, I I would not anticipate that he's going to be uh, a very expensive player. So those are just, you know, a couple of the guys out there, but again, it's not, uh, I would say it's not a great group for off ball linebackers. You you know, you're a, right. You're a 76ers fan, right? Yeah, yeah. So I imagine that every point guard that came in after Allen Iverson, no matter what they did, you're like, what is this? No, no, no. We, we got to get that guy. We, yeah. I don't care what. No, no, no. We need that guy. Ron Rivera coached Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis in Carolina. And I keep thinking <laughs> that he looks at the linebackers like, no, 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 we can do better. I had, look what we had over there. We need that. And I feel, but that's why last year I felt somewhat confident that the first round pick would be on a linebacker at the end of the day because the way he was talking about it that he needed that and I feel like at that one position alone he probably has a higher standard I'm with you I'm not breaking down tape like some other people but I felt like Cole Holcomb was pretty solid Jamie Davis clearly was a work in progress I get that but okay I thought Cole Holcomb was pretty solid but it doesn't seem like they think it's enough and maybe they're right but that doesn't mean you're going to be able to find your options uh, find better options just like we're talking about at, at um yeah quarterback uh anthony walker from cleveland just reading his sort of profile what you had and then what uh our browns writer zach jackson had sort of stood out to me a guy that played a ton led the team in tackles they talk uh, i think zach's article talked about his leadership that's something that they need and it seems like based on your rankings he'd be a lower cost is he uh, interesting enough or for you is that eh, it's sort of you already have cole holcomb like what's the difference no that, that's not a bad name you know he's only 27 years old uh, he was a free agent last offseason and signed a one-year, $3 million deal. So certainly he's not going to break the bank uh, this offseason. Now, I think the question with Walker, specifically, he came, he went from the Colts to the Browns last offseason. I know the question in Indy was, is he a three-down player? You know, when you're in passing situations, do you want him in, uh, on the field? Is he going to hold up and be good enough there? You know, his snaps kind of declined in Indy because they didn't think he was great in that role. He kind of got replaced and then there wasn't a huge market for him and he landed in Cleveland. But, you know, I think he played a lot of snaps with the Browns uh, last offseason. And certainly if you're in a more of a zone heavy defense, which, uh, you know, I know Washington employees where you're not just asking him to play man coverage against tight ends or running backs that might suit him a little bit better. And yeah, everything about this guy, like the intangibles are off the charts. You know, it seems like teammates, coaches, uh, they love him, leader, uh, and certainly uh, on first and second down has been a very good player. And, and like I said, not going to cost you a lot. So, yeah, that is a, that's a good name to keep in mind. Um, and just to stay on the defense for a little bit, I'm trying to decide or I want to ask you about what they should do with Landon Collins or what they should do along the with – should they keep all their defensive linemen? Um, I guess for you, as you look at Washington's defense, and I don't know how much you've had a chance to go back and – study you've been busy focusing on playoff teams this was not one of them so I don't know how much you've thought about it but like in terms of the pieces they have whether it is Landon Collins with a 16 million dollar cap hit he played better as the season went along once they moved him but are you going to keep him at that price for maybe a limited role you've got these four defensive linemen they've already extended John Allen are you going to ultimately extend all four does that make sense or should you look to move one now while while they're still um you know while, while you can what would you do for this defense uh, to, to try to fix it based on some of the pieces they already have? 
Yeah, it's, it's a good question. Yeah, I, I haven't, you know, I, I need to do like a, usually after the draft, I do a deep dive on every team uh, getting ready for the following season. And I, I need to see what happened from uh, 2020 to 2021 when the personnel was really very similar. It's not like they got decimated by injuries. I know they had some chase young uh, playing the nine games, but it, you know, it seems like uh, certainly underperformed the talent they had there. You know, I'm generally in favor of if you have young, talented, productive defensive linemen, pay them, hold on to them. But this is a very unique situation where if there's four of them and their contracts are going to be up and you're talking about, uh, you know, contracts that are probably going to be uh, in the neighborhood of, of what over 50, you know, $15 million uh, or so or more then it might not be a bad situation to say, rather than just have that as our one strength, maybe we can move one of these guys, get some significant draft capital specifically, you know, if you're looking at it and there's not that big fish at quarterback this off season, and you're saying, Hey, next off season, maybe there will be, you know, sometimes you just kind of want to have draft capital in your pocket uh, for the next year. So um, that would be something I would look at. I don't have a strong, uh, you know, take on, Hey, here's the specific defensive lineman they should trade. But, you know, I, I would certainly take calls and kind of see what the market would be uh, for those guys. And if there are other areas of your roster that you can improve, uh, maybe go in that direction. Yeah. I mean, I've been loudly saying they should trade one of them. I, I, I'd be even open to the idea of saying, especially if we're talking about for a quarterback that even chase young, should be on the table because if you're going to actually try to improve with that position, everybody has to be on the table. You can't just say, right. sure, we're going to try, but no, well, these guys are off limits. That can't be. But so, yeah, I, from an asset allocation standpoint, I would move someone. Deron Payne is the one who's up for a contract. My sense is they're trying to figure out how to keep him, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, let me go back to the offense. Uh, Amari Cooper was not a free agent when you put out your list. It, he's not technically a free agent yet, but the signs are pointing that he would be and Washington famously went after him in 2020 when he took the deal with Dallas, even though Washington offered more money. If he's a free agent, where does he fall on your list? And is he a guy that you would actually, if you're a team like Washington actually go spend big money on knowing that between the draft and other places, you can kind of find receivers in different spots. Yeah, I'm looking at the list uh, now, and certainly I think he would be in the top 10. You know, I, the wide receivers I have here in the top 10 are Devontae Adams, who's obviously not going to be available. He'll either be tagged or uh, get an extension. Chris Godwin, who he could also be tagged, but, uh, you know, he, he's someone who there's a little bit more of a possibility that he hits the open market. Uh, I think I like Godwin more than Amari Cooper, but I don't think that there's like a, you know, going to be a huge difference in their markets. And then I have Mike Williams from the chargers at number six. Again, he's a guy who very well could get the franchise tag from the Chargers. So I would have Cooper in the top 10 there uh, for sure. I, I think he's still a very good wide receiver. Now it, it has been a little bit strange, you know, why you always have to ask yourself, why is the team, who had him, why are they giving up on him? Uh, yeah. You know, they have more information than you have. And there's been some stuff with, you know, I, there's been nothing real specific with Cooper, but certainly that would be the second team that has said he's a really good productive player, but we don't need him around here. So I think that's something you kind of have to be careful about. Now you're still talking about probably a minimum of, I would say $16 million per year for Amari Cooper. And certainly he could be in that 18, 19, 
20 million dollar range range i mean if he got 20 million dollars a year a couple off seasons ago i know he's had some injury issues but he's still been productive i think that's probably still the range you're looking at so uh if i were washington i'd probably be a little cautious there you know i don't if i had the quarterback and i was ready to win right now then yeah absolutely go ahead get him. I, if you have the quarterback and are in a position to win, I'm all in favor of just load up on the offense, O-line, weapons, whatever, because you're going to find yourself in a shootout at some point, but they're not really in that spot right now. So I would probably say, you know what, just be patient, build through the draft. You can probably use those uh, resources else, elsewhere. Right. So, so like, you know, as I'm putting it all together, we're, we're solving all of Washington's problems, right? So um, like they're going to let Brandon Scherf go. I think that's early, you know, I'd be stunned if anything else happened. And that's, that's fine at this point. And, you know, to have a guy in West Schweitzer, who's seems like a reasonable option. You could always probably draft uh, a guard in the day two, if you want, or, or what have you. So like, like I said, it, it, in my world, they go out and spend big money on Tyron Matthew, reshape, re, reforms the defense, t- turns the culture around, around there. Maybe you can get an, an Anthony Walker on the relative cheap uh, as a, as a, as a linebacker option. You keep your defensive lineman. It seems like they may be headed in that direction. So, so be it. Um, uh, where was I going to go? Oh, so the quarterback thing you mentioned before, the two-prong approach, approach, take two shots. The Mitch Trubisky buzz was all over the place at the Combine. We've been talking about it here for a long time. Let's, let's roll with that and say Trubisky happens. You're, they got the 11th pick, right? Okay, if, if the Saints at 18 and the Steelers at 20 are more invested in getting a rookie, maybe you trade down with them, let, let, move up, get, get a future Number one, if that's conceivable, the Bears right last year gave up a future one to move from 20 to 11, this exact spot. So if you play this game with the Steelers, maybe you get that number one. Then at 20, draft one of those guys, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell. Then you have your young guy. You have the two the two options. Um, and then at receiver, I don't know, do we need them to, to, to sign some um, so, somebody else or maybe they use a second-round pick on a receiver? My point is, I just did all that stuff and we assume good health for once. Right. And, 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 you know, these guys do seem to play hard for Ron Rivera and the NFC is not exactly loaded. And the NFC East is maybe the worst, you know, one of the worst divisions in football. And did I, if we do all that, we have a contender. A contender for what? The division? <laughs> well, a, a contender for the playoffs, I guess, is, is interesting. A team that has a, that, that, that yeah. could be, I mean, if I'm assuming Curtis Samuel comes back, comes back and actually plays this year, so on and so on. Yeah, that- I, I, I think they could compete for a playoff spot. Sure. Like you mentioned, the NFC East, you know, has been terrible for, I don't know how many years now. Uh, you know, I joke here that the Eagles, you know, they brag about being uh, in the playoffs four or five years. And I'm like, you know, they've been 31 and 33 over the last uh, five years. They're beating up on a terrible uh, division, the, the Giants and Washington. But yeah, I mean, I, I think they would be a middle tier team. I think they, you know, with all those moves, uh, the defense is a big question mark. You know, if you add Matthew and you figure out what went wrong last year, can you get back to being uh, top five, top eight defense? I mean, even with those moves you just mentioned, I mean, what would be fair expectations for the offense? Like mediocrity, you know, I mean, I, I don't see that uh, adding Trubisky and a rookie that you're going to be, you know, your best hope could probably be, you know, around the 15th or 16th best offense, which probably is not going to get you, get you uh, that far. So I'm not saying it's a bad plan because, you know, you can't just fix everything in one year and a lot would ride on whether that quarterback you draft ends up developing and being very good. But uh, I don't think that would be a, a bad path for them. You know, 
sign sign whoever you want to Trubisky uh, Bridgewater you name it one of these kind of bridge quarterbacks draft somebody in the first round and then hope that that guy uh, hits their upside but uh, you know they're they kind of just been stuck in this middle middle ground uh, because of the quarterback position that's a lot of teams uh, in the NFL so they're not alone and I understand why Ron Rivera has been pretty open <laughs> yeah we're, anybody anybody yep come find me we you know we we are interested in your quarterback because uh, you know he's been around he knows that until you figure that out not a lot of these other moves are really going to matter it's so interesting that like maybe i'm wrong i don't know any other team that was telegraphing their moves as obvious as they are and yet at the same point i'm like i feel like they're possibly setting up the fans for a fall because fans are go they're gonna get a quarterback he keeps saying we're going to try i mean they're misinterpreting the language but he's acting like they're going to do something the marketplace currently doesn't even exist in fact, the worst thing for Washington would be if Aaron Rodgers does get traded, right? If anybody moves and they don't come here, that will be bad. If nobody moves, well, then what, you know, you can't blame them. It's not like anybody was available. But what do you make of the fact that a team is openly doing this? Most teams are hesitant to say anything, and they're openly telling everybody we're in this. I'm for it. You know, I think that, as you know, NFL teams are way too paranoid most of the time. It's like, just relax be honest like you know we didn't need Ron Rivera to tell us that Washington was going to be looking for a quarterback I mean right. we, we all have eyes and we can see it too so I'm mostly in favor of it I, I understand what you're saying you know as long as he's explaining uh we're gonna turn over every stone to find a quarterback but you know in terms of trades it takes two teams to make a deal happen and fans understand that uh then uh i'm all for it you know like i said it's um it, it wouldn't have been a a big secret uh otherwise and so uh you know it's just kind of obvious that that's what they need to do and again we're probably talking about what half the teams in the NFL, maybe more than that are in the exact same situation where they're making those same calls uh so they're not coming out and saying it but we know that they're doing the same thing um, independent of Washington, I don't know if you're a gambling man, but independent of Washington, you get you get. I give you, you know, some some money here. You got to plunk it down on one free agent to to join one new team. Anybody out oh. there? Well, oh man, you know, I just I, I actually have a piece coming out later this week where I'm matching three free agents to every team in the NFL. So I kind of just started uh, doing this. I'm going through my list now. All right, I'll just go. The, the first one I have here, uh, number five, I have uh, Teron Armstead uh, from the New Orleans Saints, the left tackle there. I feel like Miami could uh, make sense for him. You know, Miami has a lot of cap space. Uh, he can sort of be their version of Trent Williams. You know, San Francisco went out and traded for Trent Williams. I feel like the Dolphins need a good, very good veteran left tackle. Now he's had some injury issues, but uh, given what they, the money they have at their disposal and the fact that, you know, left tackles that are as good as Armstead typically don't hit the market. Um, that's one that I feel like, you know, that certainly could make sense in terms of uh, player and team. All right. I, I, I like it. And would you like to make any, so are we both in agreement that like, we're not expecting any of the quarterbacks of a certain status to be I mean, Garoppolo where I think we're both assuming it's going to get traded, but any of the other guys, uh, not Watson, cause he's a, we don't even know, but like we're, we're both assuming, right. Nothing's going to happen as far as we can tell. 
Uh, yeah, I don't want to get into Aaron Rodgers' head because I don't know that anybody can do that <laughs> effectively. So by the time this episode posted, if he had put out an Instagram message and said, thanks, Green Bay, it's been fun, but I'm going somewhere. I'm not going to say I'm going to you know, collapse on the floor here and faint in shock because anything could happen uh, with him. But uh, yes, if you, t- you know, if you gave me 100 bucks and said, hey, you know, you know, are one of these top guys going to get traded or not? I would put it in the, uh, in the bucket of they are not going to get moved. Aaron Rodgers goes back to Green Bay. Russell Wilson goes back to Seattle and we just wait and see what happens with the Deshaun Watson situation. I just don't get why he would leave. Like it's not the same thing as Tom Brady. The Patriots were openly telling Tom Brady, Hey man, we just don't think you're that guy anymore. And Tom Brady was like, okay, screw you. I am. And this situation over here is intriguing. Obviously we saw Tampa Bay had a lot of pieces. Aaron Rodgers is best, best path to get to a Super Bowl is where he is. The, The NFC is down or relatively not deep, Tom Brady left that eliminates one team, and they were the freaking one seed. Like, assuming that his issue was management was mean to him, and now they seem to have resolved their problems, what, what, is, the pro- what is the issue? Why would you go to Denver? You, you might not even be the – you might be the third best team in your own division, or, you know, at least – or, you know, maybe second to the Chiefs, but that could be a pretty good gap considering the Chiefs. I, it makes no sense to me why he would leave unless – you know, yeah. like he, who knows what's going on in that head is to say, right. yeah, well, I want to do something different. Yeah, if you look at it just, uh, you know, objectively, it's everything you just mentioned. NFC is up for grabs. Brady just retired. You've won, what, 39 games or something crazy over the last three seasons? I mean, uh, I know they haven't gotten done in the playoffs, but sometimes you just keep knocking on the door in one of those years things go your way. Uh, you know, the playoffs are small samples where uh, the bounce of the ball can go one way and that can um, totally screw you over, which we saw with them, uh, right? Even with the, with the punt, uh, with the special teams mishap against the 49ers like that, you know, that, that doesn't reflect on the team being bad. That's like, shoot, one thing went horribly for you in a key moment. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. It seems like they've kind of given in to whatever requests he might have, whether it's coaching staff being aggressive uh, in free agency to taking more input from him. It seems like they've been open to all of that. So then to demand a trade and go to Denver, like you mentioned, you want to go really want to go compete with uh, Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes four times a year. And then if you get into playoffs, Hey, there's Josh Allen, there's Bill Belichick. uh, There's Joe Burrow. There's Lamar. I mean, it's just, it's just loaded. So if you really want to win another Super Bowl before you retire, and by the way, Green Bay is the best place to pile up those personal accolades. I mean, you've won MVP back-to-back seasons and you know, you'll be in the mix again next year. Uh, if you stay put, they're going to keep Devontae Adams. So uh, yeah, you know, it, it could just be, you know, sometimes in life, you just want to change. You've been in the same spot, whether it's a job relationship, whatever. And you just say, Hey, it's time for a change. And you, and the grass isn't always greener, but sometimes you have to go and find that out, I guess. So that that's the only thing that I could really think of. Yeah, no, for sure. Bizarre. Um, Well, look, there's always so much to talk about and so much to read about. And that's why we're going to keep reading you over on The Athletic. Go follow Shield at Shield Kapadia on Twitter. Uh, I look forward to the piece on these free agent matches. I didn't didn't even want to ask who you like for Washington because we want people to go to go read. Um, I appreciate that, man. Um, It's Tyron Matthew. I told you, you can you can you you don't have to credit me. Just just put that in there for Washington and we'll call it a day. Um, Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me, Ben. All right. Many thanks to Grant Paulson for the last second conversation and to Shield Kapadia for their time. Thanks to everybody here. What a day. It's been wild to say the least. Uh, I guess I would just say if, you, if you're if you at this point in the podcast, thanks so much for listening. 
and also go check out my work on the athletic. I didn't even mention at the top, but I did a deep dive a look at what's going on, what, what we learned from the combine, a lot of stuff there beyond the quarterbacks. You can check that out for sure, but that is it for now. Ben's data signing off until next time. See ya.